0: Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Andre, and this is the Tennis and Bagels podcast. It's, it feels really good to be back, even though uh, my last episode was just last week. It definitely feels um, like way longer, um, as the coronavirus thing seems to be um, reaching uh, the latter stages of, its, uh, of the crisis. Although it's still really present in our lives, it feels like some of the things are getting back to normal. And uh, yeah, I... Um, has some things have ha returning in my life really uh and uh it definitely f- felt like um a much longer time since the last episode um and another, another reason why I think this um feels like a much longer time is because the subject that I'm actually talking about today is uh, a little happened actually um a little over two weeks ago and um Everybody already has, uh, have made their podcasts and people have already written their news, um, which is actually kind of good to me because I'm not a journalist and I can only follow stuff through Twitter and through the news. So, um, I don't have any inside contacts, but I just kind of like, I like to put my opinion right there because obviously I am a big fan and it's been more than 10 years since I've been following tennis as close as I possibly can without being an insider, um, but yeah, like and also as a professional in, in marketing. I'm not like in any higher position, but I do study it and I have um I have insider positions in like in the jobs that I take and whatnot. But in any case, um I still think that this topic is relevant and if not more relevant than it was before because of the fact that um now we will need a follow up. So the question that stays is um, because the thing actually generated a lot of a conversation and lots of a questioning in the tennis world um, in the past few weeks. And uh, people, when they made their podcast, they made sure that they contacted people that were big people, people with decision makers inside of the, in the, the tennis industry, if I may say it that way. Because the topic is really, it's about the merger of the ATP and the WTA which started with a couple of tweets from Roger Federer and then tons of other players followed up. And um, so the the biggest thing about this merger is that it's... It, it might seem just kind of like, oh, yeah, like a, a really great and progressive thing that men and women are coming together, but it, it has a lot of history embedded into it as like anything that essentially involves gender and sports. Um, so yeah it's it's not it's no different in tennis and even though like my first reaction was actually that wow this is pretty good this this would be an amazing idea um it also goes to the second questioning that comes comes that came to my mind really was uh really um wait a minute is this really going to work like what what does that like what is the implication of all of this like how how would they be able to uh, Combine uh, both of those tours and actually make it work because it's it's not as it's not a small thing at all um, and it's not just progressive. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of really really important questions that you must ask before you end up you end up uh, joining those tours, which are pretty huge. And yeah, so just to to start off this. Uh, this conversation and in, in this podcast my my monologue in a sense and just to deliver my opinion about this uh, i'm just gonna start reading the tweets that i found were the most important to um to initiate this conversation and the first one the very very first one on april 22nd was roger federer's tweet just wondering dot 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 i think it's five dots on top of that he was wondering really hard um Am I the only one thinking that now is the time for men's and women's tennis to be united and come together as one? Twitch received um, 1.5 thousand replies, 4.8 thousand retweets and 50 thousand likes. And uh, he responded to one of these tweets as, I agree with you, it's too confusing for the fans when there are different ranking systems, different logos, different websites, different tournament categories. Um, And the last tweet that he made about it, essentially the most important of all this was uh, in stating his opinion about it all, is it probably should have happened a long time ago, but maybe now is really the time. He's essentially referring to the lockdown and how uh, things are stopped because of the coronavirus. Essentially, he's pointing out that now they kind of have the time to think long term instead of like just focusing on the next tournament. And he finishes off with uh, these are tough times in every sport and we can come out of this as two weakened bodies or one stronger body. First of all, I don't think they're going to come out of this as two weakened bodies. Um, I think tennis is in such a position in um, the world of sports nowadays and world of media and entertainment that it, it, may, it will take a blow for sure. There's No one's going to come out of this crisis unsca- unscathed. But tennis is not going to be Um, facing bankruptcy because of that. Like, that's for sure. It's not going to happen. People, it it may be even so that people are more eager than ever to um, actually getting back to um, their subscriptions on Tennis TV and WTA TV and uh, on cable, satellite or whatever, you name it, and actually get to watching tennis. And honestly, for me, I am, I'm dying to go watch a tournament live again i don't remember what last time when it was last time that i did it i think it's been at least two to three years i live in montreal so i go to the rogers cup in montreal um regardless if it's men men's or women's i love i love it all um but yeah i don't think it's going to come out as a weakened body at all but it may as well come out as a stronger body um but yeah um and the second tweet that was for me like one of the most important ones of this conversation if not the most important was from Billie Jean King Billie Jean King is a is a legend from the 1970s the one who actually um initiated and I I think it's fair to say that she founded the WTA so the Women's Tennis Association back in that day and there's a lot of there's a lot of, there's a lot of history there to um I want not say to unpack because there's absolutely a point of like another episode but um it, uh, it really affects how we think about this merger. So um, the tweet reads, I agree. And I have been saying so since the early 1970s. One voice, women and men together, has long been my vision for tennis. WTA on its own was always plan B. I'm glad we are on the same page. Let's make it happen. Hashtag one voice. Um, so you can see by this tweet, even if you know nothing about tennis that Billie Jean King's plan for tennis uh for women's tennis really was to have one single association um that was going to make the the um the rules like one um whatever like one organizing body really for uh um both men and women's tours and she didn't make it essentially because of a lot of gender issues that were back in the day it was uh, the WTA was founded in 1973 uh, and it took a little bit of a while um of her fighting and she was essentially fighting almost against investors as well like uh, you can actually see a lot of this um a lot of this history unfolding like in a more romanticized way obviously but there is a a film called um the battle of the sexes and it's about a little bit about the transition between the creation of the WTA and it focuses on a very important event that happened uh, at that time, it, which was Billie Jean King's um tennis match against Bobby Riggs, a tennis player that was who was really um important in the 1950s. Um and she she won that match, and because of that, like that actually helped her cause to actually become um a professional um with an association, really. So, and in that film, they actually unfold a lot of the conversations and things that were happening and the tension. The film is really good. I I really do recommend you watch it. With uh, Emma Stone is portraying Billie Jean King, and I think she does a great job. <clears throat> and uh, as I said, a lot of other players and obviously fans and journalists tweeted back to Roger Federer. Nadal's tweet was <laughs> particularly interesting. I didn't. I don't have a. A screenshot of it in front of me right now but it's essentially said um, as per our discussions um, I definitely agree with you or something along those lines but he, def- he definitely did use the line as per our, dis- our previous discussions or something like that which is kind of funny because um, Natal has a history of being very very formal on Twitter for whatever reason I think I guess it's just his his own nature but yeah so the thing that was the most um that we unpack the most when you read about it online and uh you listen to podcasts is that and as per nadal's tweet is the fact that it was definitely not a um federer just kind of like late night thought that he was just kind of like at 2 a.m he couldn't sleep he'd be like just um just thinking about stuff in life and whatever And he just came up with the idea. That was definitely not the case. He was just... This seemed to be a very calculated um, thing. And uh, I've read and uh, listened uh, to other journalists speaking that um, there are discussions happening. uh, There were discussions happening since January about it. So um, maybe they were not necessarily talking about the merger of the tours. But they are talking about more collaboration between the tours. And, um, this probably have, to, has to do with a lot of, uh, prize money things and, uh, events together. If you've been, if you follow, um, tennis social media at all, they've been doing tons of, um, Instagram lives and things like that. So, um, they even have like something called Tennis United, which I haven't actually checked out, but it's, um, it's a, essentially like a social media thing, uh, hosted by Vashek Pospisil, the Canadian. And Bethany Mate- Matek-Senz, Sens, is a very, um, very capable, very, very talented, <laughs> unless I say, actually, um, doubles player from the US. And yeah, so there, there's a lot of those little things happening and collaboration between players, which is, I think it seemed very natural for me uh, in, in a lot of ways in the beginning. Not necessarily They're just kind of like natural in the sense that they would come up with this idea themselves and be like, oh, hey, let's just, let's just make lives. It was natural in the sense of like the business sense, like those players are fully known by most tennis fans. And even if you're not a tennis fan, you know, um, a fair amount of uh, women players and and um, and men's players. For example, I would guess that most people know who Maria Sharapova Maria is. Is and who Serena Williams and Venus Williams are, and um, Federer and Nadal are probably the most known tennis players of all time. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah, it it definitely feels like a this would this collaboration thing would have had to happen. The merger on on another hand seems like a little bit of a it's a stretch in a sense. Like you're coming out from like Instagram Lives together to a merger, for me it sounds like a, a lot. But, yeah, so the ATP has a new president as well, and um, things like that actually might help because one of the biggest problems with uh, merging tours and talks about merging the tours and co- and causing them to collaborate more is the fact that the men's association was for the for the most for the longest for the longest time uh, very opposed to actually doing this type of work with the women. Um, which is which is a shame. Like you can see that gender issues, even though that women's sport has grown so much and has attracted so many fans, there is still gender issues in terms of uh in terms of tennis and sports. So, but yeah, like with uh, in terms of first impressions, I've already talked a bit like how it sounded a little bit more progressive. Um, so essentially, initially, it 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 definitely did sound very positive. So it does sounds like a great idea, like who, uh, especially for me, like a person who was already, um, and other fans as well, very, who are very accustomed to seeing um, both the men's and the women's tour. They played, uh, they play a lot of the tournaments together and uh, including the Grand Slams, uh, actually, most importantly, the Grand Slams, they play uh, together, they play at the same times um, and they play, they pay the same amount of uh, prize money. And so it, it sounds like very progressive. Sounds something that we should be doing. twenty twenty, like why not? And sounds like we we're in the right place. But um yeah, but some players were actually not super positive. Um, like one of them being Kirios, the and that's kind of important to know to to say, because even though there are players who are not um who are not taking this very positively. Um, Nick Kyrgios is probably one of the most important because he's very vocal about um gender equality in tennis. And he is a big player. He's a he's an important player in the media, so his opinion kind of counts very much. Um but yeah, his it's been kind of like one of those that are not ha- that have not been so positive. And all in all, it definitely feels like um, on the first thought that this should be the right time. As I said, like we do have more, well, we do have like, the, the decision makers and the players, they have more time to um, consider um, the long-term plans for the tennis associations for the sport. And um, it's 2020, right? Like I've already said, like it, it could be really progressive. There, It doesn't seem to be any sort of like actual hurdles for it. Um, And it could actually strengthen the sport. Like Federer mentioned the ranking systems and uh, what do you say again? Uh, The ranking systems, different logos, different websites and different tournament categories. Um, I disagree a little bit with the the different logos. I I never really cared about it. I find like having a different logo kind of um, makes you associate more with uh, and gives some strength to the women's tournament. And it never really bothered me. Just kind of like I see the WTA logo and I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Like this is the uh, it's a women's tournament, or they're involved in this as well. But the ranking systems and the websites and the tournament categories are probably they're they're actually really valid points because the the ranking systems, the way that they award points is different, and uh, and the WTA is less um, less intuitive as the as in the men's side. For example, some tournaments they award um, nine hundred and seventy points or like whatever forty five points to players there like in in earlier rounds or whatever so it's it's just kind of like the it makes the counting of the points really difficult, and you don't necessarily know exactly who who is going to be awarded what how many points at some you know at some stage of a tournament and the probably worst part of all this is the different tournament categories because um the ATP used to have uh, a master series and stuff like that and Golden Master, some some sort of like uh, convoluted name like that. Uh, but they now switch to giving tournaments the then essentially the names of how many points the winner gets, except for the Grand Slams, which are their own entities. And by the way, they're not governed by uh, the ATP or the WTA, they're governed by the ITF. So that makes them in a category of on their own. But, um, so the ATP masses on thousands is like the winners awarded 1000 points, uh, ATP 500, the winners awarded 500 points and ATP 250, the winners awarded 250 points, whether for, um, the, the women's it's kind of like a premieres and there's different kinds of premier tournaments There are premier mandatory, which I believe are five. And I don't know which one is, are those. And there's a ton of other premieres and there's international events and there's 125 K series it's, it's kind of like confusing. I don't necessarily know who is going to play where. So I do every time that I, ke- ke- that I check my app for the, live score, for the live scores, I'm just kind of like clicking. I'm tapping on every single tournament from the women's side just to see um, who's playing because I have this is just zero clue who am I going to be watching. Um, it's a little bit of just me in the sense that I never really took the time to actually go and figure out the calendar from the women's side. But at the same time, I've been I've been doing this for a while, and I still haven't figured it out. Whereas I feel like anyone who would uh, try to watch the ATP and try to guess the the tournament um, category and structure wouldn't have a harder time uh, with that. we would just kind of like, oh, oh, one thousand, and it's the logo is golden, so it must be much like higher, and it's called also Masters, so. There is it, it, within just very few um, looks, you can probably guess what's going on and who's playing where. So whereas, whereas I don't feel like this is happening as much in the the WTA, like I've been, I've checked so many premier tournaments, and when I check it, out, I was like, wait a minute, this this is smaller tournament, it's like a medium, um, like a, a medium tier tournament sort of thing. So it's it's just confusing in a sense in, in that way. And some of the tournaments as well, they are masters for the men's but only medium tier for for the women or the other way around sometimes it could be like a like a very very big tournament for the women's and for the men's just kind of like an ATP, ATP 500 so yeah with all of that being said it, it definitely feels like it's um it's a positive to to join the the tours and um this might even this might even like uh grant women more um power in terms of decision-making and just kind of like let them join into a bigger conversation about tennis and um, also about um, gender equality in terms of prize money and stuff like that. But all of this is almost when you actually start to think about it. It it sounds actually just like wishful thinking instead of actually um, taking a step back and analyzing the, the big picture. And that's something that essentially anyone can do. You don't have to be an insider to um to try to imagine the drawbacks of those because gender uh, gender and sports are not a like a it's not a secret that there is something there there's an issue there there's a problem that we should be looking at and uh, i've done a few of my undergrad papers about it because i just kind of like love sports and i love tennis as you can see i'm doing this podcast right now um but yeah, so there's a few drawbacks, and the first one, and that was mentioned by um, the people in the podcast that I've listened, is that a man started it, and as a man, I would never have seen it unless a woman had told me. <laughs> is that the fact that Roger Federer starts it with this tweet? With this tweet, just wondering, am I the only one thinking that now is the time for men and women to be united and to come together as one? Um, and at first, it just sounds like really really awesome hey hey, like the men are really interested in in this but like um Billie Jean has been trying to do this for over 40 years now for for 50 years essentially she has been trying to um, push for a single tour and if Federer comes out and just be like with one single tweet he can move the mountains and move get those two tours to come together as one and the credit falls upon him to, to joining the tours and the ATP tour as well um the ATP association really so um you would uh, it would actually be a drawback it would kind of be a stain in this um in in this merging because it would be a men starting it you wouldn't necessarily it would be led by a men not necessarily that a men would men should be involved in this obviously it's a, if it's a merger with men and women women cannot just be um leading the whole way and man just kind of like listening it it must be like a joint effort and because of that the credit cannot fall upon roger federer he may uh get a uh, a credit for triggering a change but um it would be really really sad if uh the credit for uh emerging that has been trying to that people have been trying to do for over well for nearly half a century now it would it would definitely be a stain in this merge and it would never be as strong as we would want it to be. So, yeah. And just the facts really make this even worse, right? So, like, male players never really wanted to to um, have anything to do with the women. When Billie Jean, I heard in the podcast that Billie Jean uh, wanted to help the men boycott Wimbledon at some point because that was something that they didn't agree with. And apparently, the the man, the men, the the male players, they just kind of like told her, "We don't need you to to help us in this." So they even refused a woman's help in in not playing, as as per. I'm kind of like paraphrasing what I heard from the podcast. So that's that really just goes to show how deep the gender issues um were back then, and they're still not um over nowadays. So yeah, and. It seems like the ATP have just zero interest in in doing in doing it all so the question that is very uh present in the forefront of people's minds especially the journalists and people who are insiders is why so suddenly why are they deciding to just kind of like rush into this it can't it can't be that right off the bat like right after the coronavirus crisis they would just merge right away like it's after fifty years of of unsuccessful tries and even dialogues were not actually happening negotiations were not happening all of a sudden after um six months you'd have a full merger it sounds it sounds almost like a little bit sketch you know I wouldn't necessarily feel like this would be a good deal to have more collaboration between tours sure I feel like this is amazing to have more um more trade between them or ideas Traded between them and more conversations. Sure, go for it. But like a full merge, I don't. I don't think I would agree with it this year. I wouldn't. I wouldn't see it as a very good sign. And speaking of signs, by the way, the if you remember the ATV Cup, which I've talked about um, in the beginning of this year, it was happening um, during one of the premier events from the WTA, one of the big events that happened in Brisbane. And by the way, Brisbane is a big event in the women's tour, but for the men's it it is just a 250 tournament. So that, that goes among those those differences. Um so the ATP Cup took over one of the the main stadium, the main stadium in, in Brisbane and left the women to play their big tournament on the outside ports. So that doesn't seem to be like a very um um friendly uh, relationship happening there it seems like they just kind of like took over and uh that's it like we're just gonna do whatever we want and that's it and there's also lots of uh small and anecdotes about um individuals individual players and individual um business people in the, the, in the atp who were just kind of like really trying their best to like not leave any room for the women and that's only stuff that you can that's stuff that you can actually um hear if you're interested in the uh podcast uh the tennis podcast and a no challenges remaining the no challenges remaining was a the the podcast that they made about this uh was a lot more focused than the tennis podcast one but i feel like both of them uh grant you great um insight into what's going on because they're they're both journalists um who've been covering covering tennis for a long time and that's essentially where i got a lot of my um my insights in this in a, in a way a lot of the the insider um <clears throat> insights that i get is from those podcasts and i love their the journalists love the 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 things that they write you know so the the stories that they write so a drawback that i kind of had myself <laughs> uh, after giving all of this spiel about great podcasts about tennis that you can hear they can listen to um is Something that I thought of is what's the WTA going to look like after the merger? Are they just going to have like the same name is just going to be the uh ATP as well? Because at this point the ATP is associated with men's and just kind of like saying even though it doesn't mean men's tennis association, it's uh the ATP means Association of Tennis Professionals, which in theory can include the women, but because of long history and whatnot um coming under just the name ATP? would be detrimental and all of that is all of this merging conversation is about is it beneficial for for women's tennis is it beneficial for the sport for for the female players is it beneficial for for those discussions in terms of gender and sports because if you just merge right now it could actually backfire it could um leave women playing in, in terrible timings and in terrible courts, and it could give them less visibility. Um, to have just a separate organism like um, that regulates women's tennis is, is an advantage at this point, and it's something that gives them a lot of freedom and independence to make their own decisions and to actually put themselves out there and um, fight for whatever they think they're, they're right um so yeah so all of this kind of comes into intentions like is, is it what is the intentions of what are the intentions of the atp in doing this merge if there are any and what are the business implications is it is the man's tour going to swallow the the women's tennis tour and they're just kind of going to lose all of the work that they've done over the course of 50 years is all of those are, are are problematic things that they really should think about. It it should never be neglected. And I guess the most important one is how much voice will women have in this conversation? Because I feel like this is going to be a a key point in in the merging of the tours if this ever happened. And I kind of hope this will happen maybe in my lifetime, even though I don't feel like this year is... I don't think this year is the right time for it. Because I don't think women are going to have the voice that they... um, that they deserve, that they deserve to have in this conversation. They are not going to have a leadership leadership role that they deserve to have in this conversation, um, and they might just kind of be left wanting and be given an idea. And if they agree, they're just gonna come out and just kind of like be like, "Wait a minute, this is not what I pictured," and it will be too late. So we don't want that to happen at all. And yeah, so and. I feel like, uh, I guess, uh, less, um, this is more of like a business perspective, maybe financially, it's like there's employees, there's branding, there's operational changes. There is a ton, ton of things that you can, you can't just grab two huge stores that move millions and millions of dollars every year. And just kind of like, Hey, we just want to merge and just do it. It's, it. this is not, this is not how things happen. You know, um, it takes lots of conversation and negotiation and, um, yeah, I feel like collaboration right now is the best, um, thing. Maybe a restructuring of the WTA calendar and tour in a sense to try to move closer to the men's tour as well, even closer than what it is now. Maybe it could be a good, uh, a good idea, but I don't think a merge is, um, is the right idea. And by the way, in terms of merging... There was something that I felt like I really wanted to correct, especially because I've been recommending podcasts for you, is that Ben Rothenberg, the journalist that I actually really like to read his stories um, and to listen to his podcast called The Challenges Remaining, he um, constantly referred to the merger as a hostile merge. And even though he said, oh, it's not, um, I might be wrong in terms of like how to use this uh, expression. And he was actually wrong. Um what he wanted to say is the he was he was scared that the ATP had um ill intentions in terms of like how to grab the ATP tour the WTA tour, sorry, and just kind of like change it and mold it in their own um way instead of like giving any voice to the women. And I feel like this is kind of like the worst case scenario. And uh although I think it's it's right for, for him to be thinking for at least people to be thinking of worst case scenario, I don't think that the vast majority of uh, the board at the ATP and the WTA they have such terrible intentions as to just kind of like grab the WTA tour and just kind of like just drag it back drag it down and just crush it back to the ground where women belong type of thing that I don't feel like this is the uh this is the intention if if something like that happens it would be um because of ignorance in terms of like, as I said, not giving enough voice and leadership role to women, but I don't think it's, it would be a hostile, it would be, it wouldn't be hostile in the way he was mentioning. And by the way, a hostile takeover is when, is that it's an acquisition term, um, for business. And it is just kind of like to, in, in summary is when a company acquires another and the target company, the one to be acquired uh, with, um, the want to be acquired in a in a hostile manner. The manager of this company does not want to be acquired. So there's several ways that you can do this. This is not a business podcast, but you can just kind of like search it by yourself if you're interested. So that is not what is happening. Whenever there's negotiations about something and both sides are actually repre- um, presenting a um, um what's it called like an intention and a desire and to to merge, there's this is. Immediately, not a hostile merge. So this is now what what is happening, and even even it is such the case that uh, the ATP actually didn't want to merge until apparently this year, and the WTA wanted to merge. There was a uh, one of the presidents of the WTA. I forget his name, um, but he for at least I think a decade, about a decade, he was trying to move negotiations and talks for a merge um, with the ATP tour. But he wasn't successful, and that was one of the reasons why he decided to step down from his role. So it is not a hostile merge. This is all I wanted to say in this but and in terms of ill uh intentions that people might have from players to business people who are stakeholders at the a t p and the w t a some of this might be true. some people might have intentions that are not in the best interest of the women's tour. Um, But I don't think that's the, um, um, I don't think that's the, the case for everybody. I think that's not the majority of people who are thinking this. Maybe there's a a few who are, as I said, there's anecdotes of people who are actually really arrogant in terms of, uh, like when it comes to women's standards and they just really don't want to hear about it. So yeah. But even, even if this is not the majority of people, I still think fans and players, uh, and everybody who's a who's a big stakeholder holder in that, whom whose lives are going to actually be very much affected by it, um, they re- they need a lot of clarification, and that's why I, f- I said in the beginning that this might be a very relevant time still to talk about this is because we we need a follow up. We can just they can just they cannot just leave us with uh, I'm just been wondering should we merge and. That's that's not fair to anyone to just kind of leave things like that and just kind of like leave us in the dark. Just kind of like you can just throw us a bomb this big, and just leave as if nothing was happening. You know, it's it's not. This shouldn't this shouldn't happen this way. So yeah, and the the last drawback, I guess, for uh for this whole merge thing, and I've already mentioned this is the financial commitment as well. And um, um right now there's a lot of uh, conversations about um. The, the state of uh some players' financial um like financial state right now, like where where they at in terms of like their finances because they're not being able to play and uh, and although I'm not the best person to do this, especially because I don't really like to be looking at money all that much, and uh, I don't have all the information in terms of money, but I do know that um there are differences in the way that the ATP uh, pay pays their players and the WTA pays their players. And there is some of um, there are some issues in terms of uh, equal prize money still, even though the Grand Slams are equal now. Um, as per what I've read, the U.S. Open was the first one in 1973. After all, the Billie Jean King uh, movement back in in her day when she was playing. Um, but just to put into perspective how much this is a problem still, Wimbledon was the last one to. Um, to get to put to pay everybody equally uh, men and women and this only happened in 2007 so it it happened more than 40 years actually no it happened almost 40 years after the first one so it's so um Billie Jean was long um gone from professional tennis she had retired and generations of players came in uh came in when went down to history as great legends and wimbledon was still not playing them paying them equally and i believe other tournaments uh uh actually took a little bit longer as well i don't know when the uh, the australian open and Roland Garros actually took in between those uh those 30 something years so um venus williams and serena williams for them for a lot of their tournament wins, they got paid less than the the winners from the men's side. So just to give that into perspective, those are very big names nowadays, uh, Serena and Vin- Venus, but they did not start off in the in equal foot with uh, with men at all. And uh, they even have like a like a, a like a deeper problem, which is racism. But that that would be like a full topic for another another point because um, if you've listened to my uh, Wimbledon podcasts um episodes i i did mention about athia gibson and she had a ton of ton of issues as well by being a woman and by being an african-american so yeah there was a that that that's still a big problem gender gender is still not um solved at all it may seem like um it is well it is better but it's not fully um fixed and there's still some big issues that we should address and that's why I feel like the merge could is is not necessarily the best option right now. But talks to lead to it, I feel like this is not only the best option, but the one option that actually can drive things forward. And as I said before, the merge has the potential to cause progress and drag it backwards. So if this merge, because women's stand is also is important to note that um. <clears throat> they have a lot of influence. Is, it's one of the biggest um, women's sports in the world. So if you think about it, if you make the comparison between tennis and... Um, I think golf as well is a really big one. But like, for example, the biggest sport in the world, soccer. There's, there's not even a comparison between uh, the women's tournaments and the men's tournaments. Uh, I think the World Cup for women only started in the 90s. So there's a lot of progress that can be made through tennis just because um things have been happening in tennis for for longer and the women's tour has a lot uh, a lot of voice and a lot of power so um we don't want this to just kind of like be dragged down by like rushing things over and getting a merge um just cuz it sounds pretty you know uh the merge really um needs uh needs to be done well and even without the support of uh, some people, uh, I believe very very strongly that it can be a very like it can be a pioneering force in equality in sports, and it can really drive a lot of change in uh, sports in general for for women. But if it's done wrong, the WTA could really just have to separate and rebuild because um, they might get um, swallowed, um, quotation marks. Um, by the ATP and it may not even be intentional it might just be a fact that just kind of like it wasn't done properly and they just kind of like uh, they were left with uh, the shorter end of the stick or something like that but and this would be this would drag so many years of effort backwards Um, they would have to rebuild again and this would be a painful process and it, it would be a mark of our failure and doing something that could actually be done really right and could uh, bring a lot of change. So, yeah, I feel like we really should um, learn from this and uh, really look at it, like, well, and uh, I really hope that the decision-makers, um, they actually take their time to analyze the situation properly and take the right steps. And in those right steps, one of them is really clear, is to give lots of voice to to women to... Um, uh, make their own decisions and just um try to present their their argument and their perspective, which is essentially the whole the whole problem with all this merge is essentially with the women's side. The men's side is probably gonna come out okay regardless of what happens. But we really need to make sure that the women get their fair share of, of all this and actually get to grow as well. And not just grow the sport, but grow their side of the sport. So um yeah, I really just to, to finish out is that I really believe that this shouldn't be done just for the sake of promotion and just because oh now we have the time because of the crisis it should be done well it should be done with proper taking the proper steps and thinking properly and analyzing things well and just really trying to foresee the worst and best case scenarios and how to how to avoid one and get to the other so yeah um this is my whole take on the um, the ATP and WTA merge. And uh, I'm sorry if Roger Federer thinks that they should come out of this. Um, this year still as a stronger body. I don't I don't think that it's going to come out as a stronger body. I think it's going to come out as one stronger body in a very weakened tide. So maybe Roger Federer could just kind of like, a, you know, have more conversations and just to, my final final thought is we need follow-up we need a follow-up from the news and press releases and whatever it needs to be because this cannot just be um just it can be resolved in just a tweet they cannot just drop this bomb to us and just leave us like that just one thing one thing so i think we should still be talking about it um outside and try to um pressure them into uh, actually giving us answers to all of those questions that are, that are arising with uh, this emerging talks and to our worries as well so yeah this is um my thoughts for the the merge and um yeah i hope you i hope you like this episode and i'll see you next week um yeah that's it bye bye oh yeah don't forget to follow me on my social media accounts uh it's at tennis bagel on instagram and uh Tennis and Bagels on Facebook. Please give me a like and uh, and your follow and like my stuff as well. Like if you if you if you enjoy it. I have some big plans that I want to integrate to uh, to the Tennyson Podcast. Uh, Tennis and Podcast. To the Tennyson Bagels uh, brand, which is a little bit beyond the podcast as well. So we'll see in the future how this goes. But um, keep an eye on my accounts and uh, maybe you get some uh, some news about it soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening.